What's Up Whittier. Welcome to What's Up Whittier, a homegrown podcast. A podcast to showcase Whittier's businesses, personalities, and hidden treasures. Hey everybody, producer Christine here. Welcome to our podcast, What's Up Whittier. If you are not familiar with our podcast, welcome. If you are an old neighbor, it's great to see you again. Great to hear from you again. Thank you so much for listening in and tuning into our second episode in quarantine in coronavirus times. So again, thank you. My name is producer Christine. This show is brought to you by Singing Mood Media. And you have your two hosts, Remo the Realtor and Jesse the Architect. You can follow both Remo and Jesse on their various social medias and on their websites. You can go to at Remo the Realtor on all social media sites and at J2 Architects for all of Jesse's information. And you can follow me and my information at The Singing Moon and at Christine for Whittier. So, again, thank you so much for tuning into our community podcast. Now, on to our community corkboard announcements. Join the Whittier Uptown Association every Friday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. for our Farmer's Market on the corner of Philadelphia and Bright. So just to let you know, we have some new um, rules, I guess, right, and regulations. Everybody must be wearing a face mask when they enter the Farmer's Market. And you guys will be standing in a line six feet apart outside. They ask that you bring, you know, your own bags and things like that. If you are feeling sick, please, you know, don't go. Please stay quarantined. Stay in great health. Drink your water. Eat your fruits and veggies. Eat your citrus. Drink your citrus. And just be in great health. So that being said, also, did you hear about what happened at City Council? A really cool thing happened. So Greenleaf will be closed for approximately four months. And that'll give restaurants on Greenleaf Avenue the opportunity to have their restaurant and enjoy outdoor dining. We're finally going to have outdoor dining in Uptown. So it's going to be pretty cool and exciting. And this is going to be something different. And it's something that we've seen that other cities do in their urban planning, right? Take Santa Monica, for instance. Or even in Berkeley, they're doing the outdoor dining experience due to the COVID situation. How it's hurt our restaurants here in Uptown. So I think it'd be great. I'm really excited for it. You know, um, it's always important to be positive. So I'm really excited. And another great thing that I learned is that if your restaurant is within the Uptown District and you do not fall on Greenleaf, you have an opportunity to, you know, have seating in your parking lot. So that's cool too. I'm very excited for everybody. And I'm excited to see what our creative entrepreneurs and restaurateurs end up coming up with. So very exciting. I hope you guys can all go out and support our restaurants once again. And I'm sure that more events will be coming through. So let me know. Absolutely send us an email to whatsupwhittierpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us and all of our social media at whatsupwhittier on everything. And check out our website. It's whatsupwhittier.xyz. It's pretty cool, pretty trendy. I don't know, tech stuff, but... Um, yeah, so thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure you follow Remo and Jesse. Remo does have virtual workshops. He is a crazy hard worker. And also, if you get to see his beautiful daughter every day, if you follow him. And yeah, and so we're, again, very grateful for all of our listeners here for the podcast. If you're interested in being on What's Up Whittier, send us an email, whatsupwhittierpod at gmail.com. Or send us a direct message at whatsupwhittier.
Alrighty then, that's all I have for the community corkboard announcements today, but please keep sending us more announcements as they come in. You know, let's celebrate, let's have a good time. We're, um, you know, entering a new space, but we must also be sure to be diligent about washing our hands and um, sanitizing doorknobs and things like that. Let's all do our part because although, you know, the curve has flattened and restrictions are being lifted, the reality is, is that nobody knows what's going to happen. So if we're all just cautious about our neighbors, because we love each other, we love our neighbors here in the city of Whittier, we are going to do our best to support each other and to be in the best health. I love Whittier, I love my town, and I love my neighbors, and that means you. So please, take care of yourself, take care of your family, and take care of your friends. If you guys need anything, I mean, please reach out. Um, we already shared our contact information and yeah, really excited about this episode. You guys know me, I'm a total foodie, so we get to have a little review in there. It's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, very excited. Um, thank you everybody for listening, for downloading and subscribing. Take it away, Jesse and Remo. What's up, Whittier? This is a What's Up Whittier COVID style. This is uh, the second one. The first one was like kind of a tester because it was just madness and I was not on the computer and my signal sucked. And so, but this is the technology that we're part of now. That's right. That's right. Obviously, as Rick, we're, uh, like Rebo said, we're on our second trial of this whole uh, madness of, of uh, recording virtually. So, bear with us. Um, but obviously, like every single time and we do these interviews, we have a special guest, and uh, we hope to make it very entertaining for you guys, even if we sound like robots, right, Ramon? Well, uh, that was last week, Jesse. I was traveling in the old tunnel where they have an absolute, like, I don't know, like a cave over them or something, where the signal just sucked. That's right, that's right. Well, with that said... That's right. Well, with that said, uh, Rio, who do we have on today? We have, uh, Jeff Tony. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hey, Tony. How's it going? Good, uh, Tony, for those of you, or for those that don't know who you are and who you're with, can you give us a quick intro of who you are? Uh, my name is Tony Alcazar. I've been uh, part of the dining scene in Uptown Whittier for at least 12 years. I started uh, by opening up the bottle room. In 2009, uh, had a very successful run there. We uh, then opened up a second restaurant in Pasadena called Harlow's French Dip, uh, at which point uh, I decided to leave to do something different, and I became the corporate chef for Congregation Ale House, which oversaw four stores and the opening up of one. Um, about a year and a half into that, I somehow got a hold of Crooked Gaff, and it I've been the owner for about a year and a half now. Uh, sorry, a little over a year. Um, back in my hometown of Uptown Whittier. Yeah, I live. I live uh, about a mile away from my restaurant. Oh, okay, very cool. Yeah. Well, a hell of a drive to Pasadena versus to Uptown, right? I'm sure from where you're at. Uh, the drive to Pasadena every morning was horrific. It took me about an hour every day. Hour there, hour back. It's not even that far, but the traffic was just horrible. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's it, like annoying traffic. It's not, you know, it's where people are just 
all rushing to go somewhere and you know everyone's pissed off at each other and so I've done that trip a couple times you know during those rush hours and I absolutely hate it so well, glad you're here in Whittier again I'm happy to be here it's a three minute drive happy to be uh, you know if I need to go to lunch I go somewhere local and I'm supporting local businesses very cool well I'll, I'll start off by commending the absolute best burger turkey burger I ever had was at the bottle room. Yeah. I've probably been to the bottle room, I would say, 25 times, and I probably ordered a turkey burger maybe 24. That's so. a good burger. It's funny about that burger. Uh, there was a, a co competition, a contest of uh, the best burger in L.A. Uh, during a time where burgers were kind of just going up. This was about almost 10 years ago. And I submitted that one. <laughs> I submitted that one because I knew everybody was going to submit a, a beef burger, you know. And uh, didn't get any recognition for that, but um, amongst our fans, our client base here in, in Whittier, it is for sure a favorite. Yeah, it is delicious. Like, there's no other way of saying it. It's just absolutely delicious. That's why I, there's no other thing that I order. I, I My goal is to go with people, or, or back then, go with people that order other things so I can try other dishes. Um, because I knew every time walking in there, there's no, like... And let's look at the menu. That was my go-to. Part of the secret to that burger was the uh, blend of dark meat and white meat. Uh, so that's okay. why it was never it was never uh, dry. It always had a juicy patty. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So now you're at the the Kirk Gap. Um, you want to tell us about kind of that that restaurant and obviously the name's a very unique name and and what what is it all about? Okay, the, the way that Crooked Gaff happened was uh, I was uh, coming by here quite a bit on my drives home from Santa Ana Congregation, and I would stop by and have some tacos or some oysters and a few beers. I had already known the Obergon brothers, and um, after a couple of visits, they decided to get me uh, involved with one of their uh, beer menus that they were doing with Bottle Logic or Society. I can't remember which two. Um and I jumped on the opportunity because I, I've done so many beer dinners in my lifetime, not to mention wine dinners, you know, just countless of, of paired events. So I did, and it was a success. It was a packed house. Uh, everything was smooth. About a month or two later, they asked me to do another beer dinner with them. Again, a huge success. And uh, within a few weeks, the guys were interested in selling in a reached out to me uh my partner loved the space so we made an offer and after a couple of months of negotiations um we moved in um not much has changed as far as concept wise we still do a bunch of oysters and a lot of seafood what has changed is um definitely my recipes and my experience as a chef for nearly 20 years now um to bring you know that, that history of myself into dishes. You know, you could come in, uh, I've prepared some dishes for Christine today and, and you could see new stuff, but you could also see a little inspiration from, you know, one of the Japanese chefs that I worked with, one of the French chefs that I worked with, uh, and then, you know, with my own interpretations upon that. Um, it's a very fun atmosphere. Uh, all our servers are great. Uh, my, my kitchen staff is amazing. 
Um, we try to really bring to every single day a, a casual fine dining is uh, is one way of putting it. It's uh, food made to the very best quality in terms of ingredients and technique and finesse, uh, but kind of played down for an everyday experience. So it's not it's not crazy expensive. I mean, you guys you guys have all been here, and I think you you can agree that it's a great uh, quality. Um, for what you get, for what you pay. Um, I, I, so, I, I'm, so we got the pic, Christine just sent me some pictures, and you know, being in quarantine with a newborn and, and Jesse looks oh, like congratulations, by the way. Th thank you. Um, we try to limit the and so, but I get these pictures. I don't know why Christine sends them to us because right, then so you can salivate. <laughs> so you know. Let's let's describe some of these dishes so we can our mouths can water some more. I, I see some green beans. It looks like with bacon. Um, yeah, well, you guys can order some of these tonight um, to see what she's tasting. <laughs> just there you kidding, go. Just kidding. Um, okay, from let's say let's call it from right to left. Those are uh -huh. my uh, Szechuan green beans, which uh, that's a play on a dish that I used to do at Mako in Beverly Hills. Uh, Makado Tanaka was an amazing Japanese chef. Uh, one of the first chefs to take over Spago in Beverly Hills. Uh, one of the first chefs in the early 90s to to start the uh, um, Asian fusion uh, cuisine um, at a restaurant called Chinois on Main. I learned a lot from him as far as uh, learning Asian ingredients, but more Japanese. So this was kind of a dish. I, I've changed it up a little bit um, as far as the sauce, but... Over there, we used to we used to do the green beans and, and deep fry them in a wok, and it was a real legit wok um, that I got to man a few times. Um, very fun times there. Uh, if you if you go over to the left, that'll that'll be our yellowfin tuna poke tostada, which is kind of a um, a mix of a, uh, of a few different things. It's definitely a tostada with like a ceviche style, um, but it is tuna. It is high quality tuna. And I mixed that with uh, my spicy ponzu vinaigrette, which, uh, believe it or not, was inspired from a Caesar vinaigrette that I used to make back in the day. Um, and then I kind of Asianed it up a little bit, um, as well as Mex Mexican did up. I hope these words aren't like offending anyone. <laughs> uh, but it has a, a little like a, a you know uh, East LA avocado sauce on it with a little uh, uh, coleslaw peanuts you know that's i don't know anybody is making like these kinds of dishes around here uh and it's all served on a tostada to the left is a, a grilled corn esquite which you know esquite has been pretty popular in uptown whittier these past couple of years i know bizarro makes one the commoner guys make one uh turbo turbo uh, for sure they make one and they're all very good and they're all very different um, the difference in mine is that we make a, a spicy jalapeno mayonnaise that we toss in there. Mayonnaise is very uh, common in Esquite, but we finish it off at the very, very end with freshly squeezed lemon juice, uh, cotija, and tajin, which tajin is really great because it has a, like a citric acid component that, that is dry, but it's kind of spicy. It's delicious, and it, the, the corn is perfect right now. It's really sweet. Uh, to the left of that would be our uh, our Brussels sprouts, which are are fried, and those are tossed in uh, in a sauce that we called uh, 
that we call octo sauce. It's used for a lot of different different things. It's basically soy sauce and jalapeno and sugar and sesame oil. But as soon as the uh, Brussels sprouts are out of the fryer, we immediately toss them in the sauce. Um, top it off with sesame seeds and cilantro and um, some green onion. To the left of that is like one of those dishes that I'll probably never take off the menu, which that, that is called our pork belly bao. Uh, bao is basically bread that instead of being baked, it's steamed. And they always have a unique shape, um, as you can see in the picture. We stuff it with uh, crispy pork belly. And pork, our, our pork belly is a whole other level of taking care of this beautiful meat. Um, once, you know, extremely inexpensive. Nobody wanted it uh, except for to make bacon, which is another beautiful meat. Um, we uh, dry rub our uh, pork belly for three days before we will wash it. And then we'll roast it and braise it. And then we'll press it overnight so that it has a very uniform consistency. And then to order, we, uh, we fry it on the plancha. So it gets a nice little crispy um, skin on it. And then we stuff that with a little cabbage coleslaw, uh, sesame seeds, peanuts. And I make this beautiful sauce uh, called, I call it uh, Korean barbecue sauce. Uh, because it's spicy, it's sweet, it's ketchupy. Um, it is made with gochujang which is a fermented red chili paste from Korea. So with the bread and the acidity and the riches of the fat of the pork, it's just a beautifully balanced dish. You could, you could ask Christine about it later. And, and those are peanuts on it? Is that what I'm seeing? Are those what? The, the peanuts? There are peanuts in there too. But it's a, yeah, it's, it's a good dish. Yeah, all of the food is so good, you it's guys. It's definitely an eclectic uh, a menu or, or kind of dishes you have there. Yeah. yeah. When, uh, when when people ask, you know, with chefs, it's usually they kind of they kind of tend to go in a certain direction. Yeah. Um, from your end, um, is is that was it intentional that it is an eclectic kind of style, or or are you? Yeah. So leaning towards one way or another. You know, I, that's a good question because. For the past couple of years, uh, even before Bottle Room, I, I went with a. I, I opened up this restaurant in South Pasadena called Mike and Ann's. It's still there, and that you know was they asked me to make a contemporary American bistro menu. So there was not a whole lot of strain um, from that concept. Uh, after that, I did Bottle Room, which was supposed to be a gastro pub, which allowed me uh, lots of leeway i guess on, on making burgers and pizzas and sausages and stuff like that um then going into harlow's which is a, 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 a concept in concrete pretty much i couldn't stray from from french dips and i gotta tell you they were the best french dips you'll ever have um and then i went into congregation alehouse which also had no leeway for uh, creativity or changing up what was some of the best pizzas and burgers um that i've ever made Coming into Crooked Gaff, there was no real uh, concept except for pretty much sticking to uh, seafood being the forte. So, you know, in working at restaurants like like the Ritz-Carlton, um, Mike and Ann's, Mako, um, McCormick and Schmicks, do you guys remember that place? Yeah. That was, yeah, that was a, uh, an American fish house. So, you know, working with, with a you know, 
my best friend Ricardo, Ricardo Diaz from Bizarra and Colonia and Poet Gardens in the brewery, he taught me a lot about Mexican food. So my confidence in Mexican food is greater now. And I could take that with my fish experience and my fine dining experience. And I'm not trying to be eclectic, but it, I don't have to follow anyone's rules to do the food that I want to do here. So, yeah, that, that's uh, years of, years of uh, knowing what I like, knowing what people like, and just trying to make it as best as I can and as consistent as possible. It's pretty cool because I, I was just re uh, recently listening to a podcast uh, where they're interviewing um, the guy who essentially invented uh, the Impossible Meat or Impossible Burger. Yeah, and he interviewed. I got that popcorn. I saw you guys cheer, but now that's there. Yeah, sorry. Cheers, 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 Jesse. <laughs> All right. Cheers, cheers. Back to our, our coffee. Sorry, Jesse. Go on. <laughs> um, so, so they were talking about how to, you know, when they're trying to come up with this uh, meatless option, right? Um, what was interesting though is that they were looking to work with local chefs who would essentially be able to work with this uh, meatless option into dishes that traditionally uh, people would, would, would eat, right? And, and what I was interesting was that they weren't just going to any chef. They were actually going to, going to chefs that were, um, that were well-known in working with just meat, right? And, uh, and what was interesting is that uh, the chef they did choose was uh, a chef I forget his name. He's well known out in the East Coast. Um, where uh, for him, what he has said, what, what was interesting about this type of of, of uh, product was that, like any other chef, they like the challenge. They like the challenge of putting a dish together or coming up with a dish that would be able to um, satisfy the taste buds, right? And so. Um, you know, kind of going back to what you're saying, how, you know, based on your experience and, and your different types of culinary background, uh, you've kind of come up with, with what you like, what you don't like. Um, does that does that kind of trickle down to the kitchen? I mean, are you experimenting a lot now on your own or, yeah. or are you kind of setting your ways? <laughs> I'm not setting my ways. I, I, I mean, I guess I am and I'm, I'm not. Um, what we what we try to and, and to answer the other question is we're not experimenting as much as we used to, um, as as far as uh, creating new dishes, it's not like it was before COVID nineteen. Um, but what I try to teach my cooks always is I I try to uh, have them a chef the, the chef the the job of a chef is to instruct and to inspire, and that's what I've been going off of for many many years. And so now what I've come to to teach my cooks and you guys all probably know George. Uh, I teach them um, that they have to learn, you know, that kind of uh, hard work and to be inspired. You know, they have to they have to learn not only my recipes, but they have to learn my thought process. You know, that's kind of how they they have to go on from here. So there's no there's not as much um, experimenting, but there is the same heart and soul put into everything. Uh, you know, clean kitchen, organized. You know, don't rush the steaks, you know, season correctly. Make sure the beans are hot enough or things that we talk about all the time. Does that answer your question? It, it does. And again, as a, as a you know, I'm going to say young because because you look young, younger than than you would you would say, you know, chefs that have been around for a long, long time. Right. 
but young in the sense that you're you're obviously starting up with a, a new restaurant on your own that that lets you do what you want to do or what you enjoy. Um, is there a certain like dish um, that you would say I would love to just if I could just focus and eat this on a daily basis? This is what I would choose. As far as what I make, yeah, because yeah. uh, I could eat sushi all day long every day. <laughs> uh, I could eat ramen all day long. In fact, we wanted to do a ramen pop up here, and we'll, that'd that, be that, cool. yeah, that'll be uh, in the near future. Hopefully, we've been talking about it for about a year. But um, I could eat my spaghetti bolognese every day too, and that's on the menu right now. And it's uh, probably the first thing that I ever made at home where I actually went out. This was before I went to culinary school. I went out, purchased the ingredients, and made a meal at home, and made it for my mom and my brother and my grandma. And it was good, but you know, I, I bought the sauce and I browned the meat and and I put it together. Are you, are you guys familiar with bolognese? It's uh, the the classic uh, red meat sauce with spaghetti. It's my favorite thing. Um, so I've been making that dish for twenty five to thirty years. You know, since I was uh, young, before going to culinary school, right after high school, if not during high school. Um, so that dish, yeah, I don't I don't want to change that dish anymore. I think it's perfect the way it is. Uh, it's got my difference is that I, I put bacon in it as part of the meat, and then I, I make my own marinara sauce for it. So that that's one dish that I could eat forever and not change. Nice. If you ever need a pop-up cereal bar, I'm your man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys that's remember good. that? You guys remember that? Uh, it was called Milk, uh, where the commoner space is now. Uh -huh. That was right before we opened up the bottle room. And you go in there, pick your cereals and your, your types of milk, and have breakfast. Yeah, it was that, and then was it Quiznos? It was a Quiznos. I think it was a Quiznos before that. Oh, okay, yeah, it was Quiznos, and then, and then it was, it was milk. that, and then it was... Uh, and then Phoenix. it was a Phoenix 5.4, and then yeah. the Canoe, what is it? Canoe Cafe, oh. and, then it, and then that's when it became the Commoner. Commoner, Which yeah. is probably the best interpretation of that space mm -hmm. by far. Yeah. Those guys that know how to create a space that that is fun, inviting, and uh, has good quality stuff. Um, very cool. Um, since we're not obviously physically there and, and, and tasting them, Christine, we'll put you on the spot. Have you got a chance to go through them yet? And, and what are your your, your favorite out of all five? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm for sure eating over here while you guys are interviewing. I'm very grateful. Thank you so much, Chef Tony. It's wonderful. She came very hungry. Yeah, I know. I only had one this time. But that being said, um, everything is amazing. Oh my gosh. Like as he was describing everything to you guys, I was trying a little bit. So um, I guess I'll start from the green beans. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say like my favorite order to get from here is the clam chowder. I get the ch clam chowder. I really love it here. So Great job, Tony. Thank you. And uh, the sandwiches are also really great here, and they have a great special going on right now, which we'll talk about later, too, for 22 bucks, um, and it's worth it. And also, I did the Mother's Day brunch. <laughs> oh, I, I like your yeah. restaurant a lot, yeah, Tony. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so all the food is great, because what's so awesome about the green beans is that they, they, they're not, like, I would say that they are very crisp, and they're still um, cooked through, which is delicious, and they have a very great tangy... Um, 
like flavor. And then the poke tostada, that was amazing. Um, I love the, the tostada, really makes it. Because I, I did try it without the tostada at first. And, uh, you know, it just tasted like good poke. But when you add the tostada in there with that crunch and put some the peanuts on there, you have so many layers of flavors. Because um, you really get like that crunch. And you also get different textures if you're a texture person. Texture is one of my things too. Uh, texture contrast. Yeah, and so, um, and you also get that texture contrast, like even in the esquite, when you think about esquite, it's very one-dimensional, right? Because, um, you know, you bite into the corn, but when you add the crab, it's like, it takes it to another level. It it's full body. It does, yeah. um, I love it so much. And it, it's a really good crab, too. It's it's very tasty. It's your typical esquite, like when Chef said with the tajin. I love yes. the taste of the tajin on top. But um, it, it makes it a meal by adding the protein. the crab and the protein, yeah. yeah. And then, so that was delicious. And um, you might have that as a side with, like, tacos or something. You know? Yeah, you know, we offer it as a side now with, without the crab. Oh, really? Making it less expensive. Oh, I'm vegetarian, I guess. Yeah, and vegetarian for sure. Um, and the Brussels sprouts, I love a good Brussels sprout, and this is a great Brussels sprout. It's very delicious. Um yeah, I think that when they're hot and they come right out, that's like when they're, you know, obviously like still super perfect. Um, but they're very delicious. They taste earthy like a Brussels sprout, but also very sweet and complex flavors and those notes on top of it. And the pork belly also, yeah, honestly, the pork belly is probably the most interesting because of the fluffy bao bun. Um, like, I posted a picture on our What's Up Whittier Instagram, and I'll post a food picture about all of these dishes, but the, like, the pork belly bun, do you guys make that in-house? No. No? Okay, well, they're so good. Um, it's very fluffy, it's like a little pillow, and then with the crunchiness of the pork belly, money. And with the spiciness of the sauce, it's so good. So I hope that description um, helped to tell you how great Tony's food is. Um, obviously, you need to taste it. It's amazing. Um, and this is only a fraction of everything that's on the menu because I can tell you, like, their po'boy is delicious, the chicken sandwich is delicious, the burger is delicious, like, all of the sandwiches I love. Anyway, I can't get enough of this food. Tony, so how has COVID really impacted you guys? Have you guys been open for takeout? And, you know, how has, it, how has everything, I mean, we were talking now, and as we enter LA County and face in, hopefully, I think it's efficient that you guys can open, right? More dining? Yes. Uh, well, we'll wait for the dining option to come to full effect. But we have been open since day one, March 17th. Uh, we closed uh, Mondays, which that, which was the 16th when it was uh, announced. Um, I acted fast, man. I got to tell you, um, I put up that two sandwiches, two sides for 22 bucks that very same day, uh, going into a Taco Tuesday. Um, and I was impressed by, by all the support that we got that day, that week. I want to say that week has probably been our busiest week for the COVID-19, other than the Mother's Day week, which we did a bunch of uh, uh, pre-order online on our website. Uh, that was the busiest week by far. But, you know, the, the two sandwich, two sides for 22 bucks, you could very well be saving 20 bucks on that, on that deal. Uh, say you got two um, two of the dry aged burgers for fifteen dollars a piece, um, plus two sides would put you easily at forty bucks. Uh, we're doing that and any combination of any of our sandwiches and any of our sides for twenty two bucks. Uh, so I've expanded upon the sandwiches. 
Uh, Krabby Patty was a, a special that, that we did here for some of the girls' birthdays that work here, uh, Kim and Amanda. And uh, I brought it back just for this, you know, and it's a, basically it's a gigantic crab cake that we make in-house with our own tartar sauce on a brioche bun, lettuce, pickles, uh, tomato, onion. Um, you know, the shrimp bobo is a classic favorite of everyone here. The fried chicken sandwich. And then I added some fries, uh, some, sorry, some sides, spicy cauliflower. Uh, again, like the esquita without the crab as a side now. Truffle fries, spicy garlic fries, a uh, cup of clam chowder. Mac and cheese is on the menu now. Um, you know, we, we've ventured into some other stuff also as far as uh, three-course dinners, family dinners. Um, the one that's pushed the hardest is the two sandwiches, two sides. We sell a ton of those every day. Uh, Tuesdays, we sell a lot of taco, taco combos. It's another thing that I've done. Uh, our tacos are a la carte, so you order one and you pay whatever price it is now. You can order a la carte or you could order combos, two or three tacos, and they automatically come with rice and beans, which we did not do before. Uh, the rice and beans are vegan, so and they, they, you wouldn't know it. They taste, uh, I, I add a little soy riso to the beans, and you, know, you would never know. Um, other things that I've been wanting to do, obviously we can't do oysters now. They're, I've never done oysters to go, ever in my whole career. There's just, it's too much of a liability with those those guys are alive, and once you open them, they die, and so they start deteriorating quickly. Uh, I would not want to sell those to go. But thinking about putting a little package together, a dozen oysters or however many dozen you want to include a knife, and you can shuck them at home, and we would give you all the sauces and lemons and all that stuff. So I'm going to see if I could maybe start that with a little pre-order so I don't over-order or under-order oysters. Yeah, we have our first customer. Yeah. yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the menu's been tailored a lot for this. You know, spaghetti bolognese was not something that I would put on my, you know, seafood restaurant. But it's here because it's comfort food, and people, I think people need that kind of comfort right now. Um, you know, sandwiches, tacos, that's comfort. Hey, t Tony, so based on this whole COVID thing, um, what, is, what is one thing that customers should know about the restaurant industry? Like, um, you know, and, and what I'm getting at is uh, we've done like like uh, online ordering through other apps. Yeah. Um, I know it's always like a, a, a pretty heavy conversation in terms of whether it makes sense or not for restaurants. But, but what's your take on that? As far as uh, delivery services? Is that what you meant? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not into it, man. And I got to tell you, my whole, maybe most of my career, uh, things like Yelp. Uh, I, don't, I don't feel to be very helpful. Um, places like, uh, you know, uh, Postmates and I don't need to name them all off, but they, yeah. uh, um, I've always felt like they take advantage and they make a lot of money and they charge us a lot of money. And, you know, some, some of them will charge the customer the fees and most of them will charge the restaurant the fees and they make themselves to be all, all these good guys. But Really, I feel like it's hurting the industry. Um, for the restaurants that are that are open, um, they take a lot of my money, man. And I signed up with DoorDash, and and you know, I think a lot of the customers are keen on that. You know, they they know uh, when we first started doing because uh, I would have never agreed to DoorDash, but we thought, hey, let's take our food out to more people. 
we could probably still make more money and you know have more people enjoy our food at the comfort of their own home without leaving. Um, and I think a lot of people started ordering, and I think now they know that it's not really helping and that they would rather just come in here and, and you know walk in through the doors. We do curbside also, but a lot of people are just like, yeah, we'll come in. You know, and everybody's wearing masks and everything. Yeah, but Tony, as a customer that's ordered, like, curbside and pickup during this time, I think that one of the good things is coming in and seeing your face and seeing Amanda and seeing everybody that we know that works here. Yeah. You know? I, I, I put myself into that category where I'd rather just get out of the house for a minute. Uh, everything's a little too mundane around home, you know? Um, you need yeah. to get out. You need to get out. So, but as far as, like, the ethics and stuff about those delivery services, I'm not, I'm not into it. Um, so, so obviously from, uh, again, I, I didn't know it was that bad until, until somebody had mentioned it, uh, who's also a restaurant owner, and they were concerned about it. But I guess the, the alternative to that, what would, what would you tell customers is a better option? I know you said, obviously, come in and stop by, but yeah. for those that don't want to stop by, just because obviously they want to keep still that distance, but they want to eat your food, what would you say would be the best option? Uh, do you have like online ordering? See, that's, or? that's the cool thing is that uh, we just recently set up, uh, my friend Brandon set up a, uh, uh, actually made our website. Um, cool. cool thing about uh, the way things came together was really great because he, we have a Clover system as a POS. He created our website, which is made with uh, WordPress. Clover has a WordPress native uh, third party. Uh, it's called Smart Online Ordering, which interacts with my with my POS and my website. So he created the online uh, ordering menu for us, which is our exact menu, and it's updated daily. Uh, person orders from that. It goes. It gets uh, paid for on the website with their credit card, um, and then it goes straight to the, my printer in the kitchen, which is is awesome because. You don't have to call. You don't have to, uh, you know, and our phone's ringing off the hook some days, you know. It's it's too hard to pick up multiple calls and to bag the food and to, you know, take people's money and stuff. So it saves us that extra time. Uh, you know, you pay for it online. You, you make your order. You pay for it online. And then when you get here, you can request curbside. And so there's very, very little contact. Everything's paid for. We take your food out to your car with our mask and our gloves, and you're good. So that, that, for me right now, I'm saying the best way to do this is to order online and let us take the food outside to you. are also welcome to come in here. I have a sign on my doors, wear a mask, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the best way to do it. That's so cool. Do you think this, this whole experience would, definitely, would change your, your uh, operations uh, moving forward, or, or do you think you'll kind of... I think so. I think we're... we're uh, Every day is uh, it's like we're doing you know tons of to-go food, where before we barely did any to-go food. I think when things start resembling more of a normalcy, that um, we'll probably have a heavier to-go operation, and that'll add to the bottom line, which would be great. Uh, also, certain things that we needed to do on our on our website that are now updated, you know, uh, certain procedures that are you know have been updated. Through, through necessity. Tony, before, before all this, what was the percentage of your actual to-go orders? Was it like a nominal amount or was it? 5%. Five, wow. 
And now it's all the sea. No, it's 100. Except for when I eat my food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fast forward, you know, six months or a year from now, do you still think it'll be as, uh, I mean, do you expect it to go back to maybe 50-50 with you saying that, you know, the takeout's going to be still a big chunk of the business? I don't know about 50-50. I think people are, are ready to get, well, there's a lot of people that are very scared, you know, rightfully so. And, um, you know, they're going to want to maybe not get into big gatherings uh, right away. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, in a few months, yeah, maybe maybe 50-50, which is, which is kind of cool. Um, not to sound too businessy, but it's cool to just kind of, you know, make people's food, have them pay and go, um, and then tend to the customers that are here, you know. And then you don't have any as many tables that are you know spoken for, and you still make that exactly. business, right? So it really, at the, at the end of the day, it's about making the food that I love, but it's about making money. You so. know. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, I, I think the cool thing, or the the positive, the one good thing that's coming out of this whole COVID thing, is that it's definitely changing the way you're doing business in a in a very um, creative way. And I say this because um, now that uh, and more and, and cities or, or, or counties are getting less lenient on or more lenient on regulations. The big one is the alcohol delivery, which um, I mean, so far, knock on wood, we haven't heard you know tragic accidents or, or, or catastrophes where you know uh, doing delivery uh, alcohol with your meal, right? It, it makes sense. It complements it. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that that's one thing that kind of sticks. Yeah. So in the future, you know, if you decide to order, you could decide you could order a pairing up for for your meal, right? That's one. The other one is that just recently, uh, this week, the city it's, city of Whittier talked about opening up uh, or closing Greenleaf to do some outdoor dining, right? Uh, trying to create this uh, open uh, environment, which again, before. The concept we talked about it several times, and it was always a no. Now the, the silver lining is that you know we could potentially test that and see how it works. So that'll be really cool to see the landscape uh, on Greenleaf. In your case, uh, because you are in your own kind of uh, little property or, or building area, um, you know, making maybe use of that parking lot, doing like an outdoor dining experience, right? And again, because they're very lenient, that, that hopefully this becomes something you could do now now and again um and I, and who knows maybe in the future it just becomes normal right um and so i think you know yeah it's going to change the way we do business but i think it'll be in a good way um yeah. from a, a obviously person who's wanting to patronize a business um you know i am i'm less uh i'm less uh you know concerned than my wife is in terms of this whole covid thing but again, you do have people who are very concerned of what's going on, and, and they want to see how long this thing's going to last, and hopefully it doesn't last too long. Um, but again, I think it'll be an in-between for, for you know patrons who are okay and patrons who are not okay with, with the mass gatherings. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I want to see where this goes, because uh, it'll definitely change uh, the way restaurants are doing business. Well, the first thing that you mentioned was the, like the alcohol. And the, the beer licenses, uh, the, the alcohol licenses, and stuff like that. Um, funny thing is that I, I didn't know, I did not know that my alcohol license permitted me to sell my beer to go. Um, yeah. 
it, it my my license is a forty seven, I believe, and that allows me to sell my bottles and cans to go pre COVID nineteen. And I was under the impression that we were not able to. So that's another thing that I acted on fast and started selling my beers. I want to say that Wednesday, that that, that Wednesday, yeah. Um, and then moving forward, they re- they released the. Uh, yeah, the ability for us to sell our, our taps to go. So then I, I got uh, active quickly also. I got some growlers, uh, glass growlers, 32 ounces, and I started selling those. And as soon as they came in, probably took about a week to come in. So by the end of the second week, we were selling our uh, our growlers. We were slapping our CGK sticker on there. And they've been selling pretty well. I've had to reorder three times. So uh, as far as the uh, promenade on uh, Greenleaf, think that's something that should have happened a long time ago anyway whether it's yeah. permanent like it is in santa monica or or if it's a weekend thing uh, like like it is in other cities uh, or like when they used to close down for the uh, farmer's market um i always thought the farmer's market was a great idea but i i also always thought that it should have been the, the businesses of uptown whittier having their stuff being sold on the street you know making it more yeah. family south pasadena is a good one that, that is more like that. They set tables out there and stuff and people could eat out there and whatever. Um, as far as doing it in my parking lot, it's definitely something to consider. Um, if, say, we do uh, order a, if we do order a, uh, the order is, let's say, 50% occupancy or whatever it may be, then I could very well make up that other 50% in my parking lot. And maybe business can thrive again. Who knows? But it is something to think yeah. about. No, it's very cool. Very cool. Um, you being a, a longtime resident here in Whittier, you've seen kind of the, the growing uh, of Uptown, uh, you know, the whole restaurant scene. Uh, what is what is one thing or one restaurant or one meal that you you've uh, you said you kind of miss? Oh, going to like one of the restaurants and eating? Yeah, just uh, in, uh, in Uptown. Uh, at the very least, I could say, you know, Fideo or the Chalupitas at Colonia Pública. The Chalupitas are one of my favorite things there. Um, but are there any restaurants that you haven't seen over time that you miss? Like, working good, right? Or anything like that? Oh, my God, yeah. Phoenix, uh, so. I miss the Phoenix. Um, um, I miss, actually, I miss um, Four Bricks. Forbricks had some really good food. Yes, R.I.P. Forbricks. Uh, I also I also do miss uh, Auntie's, but I, I heard they reopened they recently. So, yeah, yeah, I do I do miss a lot of the stuff. You know, I miss going to the brewery after work. I miss going to the bottle room after work. Uh, going to the commoner. I mean, just lot, you know, those are the kind of things that I miss. Hanging out with uh, the, the business owners and uh, their employees that I become friends with after. Five years of living in the city and twelve years of working in it. Yeah, yeah, not definitely. What, what's um? You talked about your menu that you have currently about those two for twenty-two. Out of that whole menu, uh, what would you say is your favorite, and what would you say is the crowd's favorite? Uh, Do you have kids? Seeing? Do you have kids? Yes. How many? Two. How many? Which one do you love more? <laughs> the girl. The girl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, for me, honestly, like I could come in any day, and uh, um, 
Sorry. Uh, I uh, man, I, it's different every day because I can have the shrimp po'boy. I'm looking at it right now. Um, I can eat yeah. the shrimp po'boy any day. The Alaskan cod, the Krabby Patty, the fried chicken sandwich, the pork belly bun me, the torta de asada, uh, the dry aged burger. I guess the only one that does not interest me is the veggie burger. <laughs> Good answer. Could, uh, uh, but some of my cooks love it. Um, and then you know all the sides are bomb. Everything. I, I, just, I don't make food that I don't like unless it's something that I feel needs to be on the menu for for a, a certain group, and that usually being the vegetarians or vegans. Um, that burger that burger is very nearly vegan. Um, you know, and, and then just kind of like we talked about, the grilled corn esquite without the crab is also now an option. Yeah. Um, yeah, so from that special, man, I, I could eat any of it. Uh, the burger is so good because it's unique to, to Crooked Calf. We use a a dry-aged blend patty that um, dry-aged beef is like the Rolls-Royce of, of meat, uh, of beef anyway. Um, we, we use that, you know, we make our own pickles, we, we make our own secret sauce, and we use a very nice brioche bun. Uh, and then our, our carne asada torta, it's like the best carne asada in town. Um, nice. Not posting, you know, I'll call Ricardo out, out on it anytime. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, and then things that, are, things that are a little bit more creative, like the pork belly bun me, you know, the Krabby Patty, all, all that stuff is, uh, you can't really get it anywhere else. So, so do you have a chef special? Like something that you're like, man, I, I, I this is my baby. This is it. They're all my babies, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to order. I have, I have like a hundred kids. Uh, oh, do you know what you gotta try is the carne asada quesadilla. Not not to talk about carne asada again, but that's really good. Uh, you know, the cauliflower taco is super good. Uh, the grilled shrimp, it's it's also unique. We we make our own salsa negra, which is uh, dried uh, morita chilies. We we fry them, and then we add you know the kind of a typical mole ingredients to it, but it's not sweetened with chocolate or anything like that. It's very dry and oily, but it's got this beautiful heat. And it, and it plays really well with the succulent shrimp and the, we make a coleslaw, but we use a little bit of yuzu juice in it to really, really makes it different, you know? And that's kind of like the, uh, um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to call it fusion. I feel like that, that word's played out now. It's just very LA and it's, um, yeah. it, it's, it's like, uh, it's like fusion without, uh, without it's supposed to be a fusion, you know, cause it's got Japanese, uh, citrus in there and it's got, you know, Baja shrimp and tortillas that we make in house, you know, every time you order a taco, we make your tortilla. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, you know, the Tony, if there's one missing in, in Whittier, what would, uh, that you would like to see here, what would that be? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. If there's one. If one thing missing in the city of Whittier that maybe you leave town to go to that you would like to see here, oh, man, Whittier, what would that be? That's a really good question because I'm sure I've had, you know, ideas throughout all the years. I, I always wanted a ramen shop up here. That's one That's one thing. Um, I don't know. I think a really good ice cream shop. I See, one of the things is I love making ice cream. Um, as, as far as being a chef, I'm also a pastry chef. I have a lot of experience with cakes and batters and ice creams and sauces and all that kind of stuff. Um, a really good handmade ice cream shop. And I'm not talking about like, you know, like the... Uh, nitrogen kind of stuff that would be cool too but like somewhere that makes their own ice cream and just serves scoops small shop that'd be really cool i mean we already have starbucks so 
Oh, you know what? A really solid pizzeria, but like a like a pizza pub, you know, where like you can get a pitcher of beer, like maybe craft beer, and a really nice pizza, and some nice salads, and maybe a couple of pastas. That's what I would like to see, and I think the Four Bricks building would be perfect for that. They already have a really nice pizza oven. Yeah, that was beautiful. There you go, CGK 3.0. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. What's up? So, so if they're not, if uh, if you're not there at your restaurant having, uh, or I guess in this case, taking taking out food and and eating out from there, what's your go-to locally? To go eat? Yeah. Uh, I go to uh, Bizarra Capital a lot. That's where I go to mostly. If it, it was not in local. Special, special dish? I love the chef's rice and beans. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good dish. Yeah, chef's special, yeah. Yeah, if not, I, I do like going to sushi a lot. I, I like to support locally, too. I go to uh, Grill and Sushi. Uh, uh, right there on Hadley and uh, was that Pickering? Yeah. I like to support them. It's a oh, it's a husband okay. and wife, and they do all the cooking and all the cleaning and all the stuff there. I support them quite a bit. Um, it's Caddy Corner from the Arco. Yeah, Caddy Corner from the Arco. Um, from outside of the city, I go to Ravello a lot, which is probably the best pizzeria in a twenty five mile radius. If you haven't been there, you got to check it out. Best carbonara ever. Where's that located? It's on uh, Garfield, just just barely north of the 60. Uh, Monterey Park? Yeah, Monterey Park. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. I've been, oh, yeah. Great yeah, pizza, Super man. good, super good. They used to be called something else, right? They used to be called Bolini's. Yeah, Bolini's, yeah. yeah. Another great place, not, not to mention Ricardo again, but Cook's Tortas. Mm. He was the uh, oh. original owner and chef of that place, and they have the best tortas ever. Yeah, ever. yeah. Uh, we go there a lot. We get pokey a lot. Uh, we get ramen a lot in Alhambra, San Gabriel. We, we go to Yoshiharu quite a bit now because it's the closest, and they actually got pretty good. We go there a lot. And uh, nice. oh, a new place, uh, Chicken Bodega is really good. I have not tried, but I'm about Man, to check you, it you out. You gotta get the dirty fries. It's super good. Dirty fries. Yeah. yeah another thing, another thing that we didn't talk about, you guys, is the beer that we serve here. Yeah, tell us about the beer. Yeah. Um, well, we just had, Christina and I just had a beer, and it's pretty eclectic as well. Um, the one thing that, that it mostly is, is local to Southern California, uh, mostly local to the Los Angeles County, although we do have a, a couple of beers from, uh, one from Canada, which is the Unibrew. Um, that's about as far as I go. Uh, other than that, everything's pretty local. We pour the Whittier Brewing Company beers here, um, and then that's, that's by tap. In bottle, I have a lot of Belgian beer, because I, I feel in my heart that Belgians make the best beer in the world, except if it's a West Coast IPA, and that's California for sure, and LA, LA makes some of the best IPAs in the world, so that's the kind of stuff we do here, you know, good food, good beer, great service. So if somebody calls to, and they put an order in, have you had anybody say, hey, give me a pairing with that uh, meal? They haven't said pairing, but, uh, you know, because I don't, I, don't, I don't know that everybody's on that level. I think what people, beer is, is not so much, uh, you know, back in the day we used to say there are no beer snobs, there are only wine snobs. Uh, but in the beer world, there's just a bunch of beer geeks, you know, and people that just love beer. 
and I think you know when somebody comes in here and say like what what should I drink? My second question is always what do you like to drink? And if you can say an IPA, well I got like three or four of them. If you say a lager, then I'll have I'll have something for you. you know? Sours, yes. Stouts, you know, we have something. You know, if, it's, if it's not on tap, it's in a bottle. Very cool. And do you guys still have, I know with, with, the, with the brothers, they had the oyster specials on Thursday. Once everything returned back to normal, is that something that will be back on the menu? Oh, the happy hour? The, which, the, the dollar happy hour oysters. Oh, man, I, 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 I don't want to talk about that. I think it's the impression that people get. Um, I've only done it one time, and it was probably the busiest day we've ever had by far. But I think it gives the impression that we're trying to get rid of old oysters, and I don't I don't like to give that 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 notion that uh, they're just trying to get rid of oysters, you know. Like I think the the food is priced uh, low enough for people to not have to be tempted or bribed at dollar oysters. Uh, we did that we did that one time as part of our girls' uh, birthday celebration back in August when we did the Krabby Patty. We did a one day where we did, and we sold a ton of fresh oysters. I literally ordered cases and cases to arrive that day so that we could do dollar oysters. And it was for the people. It wasn't for, you know, it wasn't for us. I mean, obviously, we, we, we profited from it, but uh, it's, it's not something that I'm interested in doing. If we do it again, it'll be as a, no, it'll probably be as, a, uh, as an event. It'll be, yeah. you know, well, a month at least um, notice. So people could plan to come in. Well, what Remo's not about the the cheap and, and, and he can't that he doesn't want to pay too much for oysters. It's just that the way he eats, he uh, needs a, he needs a lot. He, eats, he needs a lot. He needs a lot. One of the things that we do is we do a lot of uh, Dodger games happy hour. You know when when the Dodgers come back. Uh, we do every single game that they play, whether it's home or not. We do uh, happy hour oysters, which makes them considerably cheaper. You know, and, and that's, a, that's the other thing. That, that, the, the, the other thing is that like, oysters are not cheap. Yeah. You know, they, they're not like close to nothing like they probably used to be back in the day. They're, they're expensive. And we're barely making, we don't make money by selling oysters. And by selling them at a dollar, we're probably losing money on oysters. Especially if we sell them to Remo. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, before we, we uh, sign off on this, um, what's uh, what what is your schedule right now uh, currently with this whole COVID? Uh, I stay at home with my girls for most of the day. I come into work around one or two. And we're closing at, at around 8.30 now. So we, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm still working a full day. I'm still working a, a full week, actually. Um, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. I think Remo has so, off the computer onto his phone. Oh, got it, got it. Uh, anyway. So um, restaurant-wise, what are, are your hours for restaurants? We're, we're, closed, we're closed Mondays. And hours are 4.30 to 8.30. And hours are 4.30 to 8.30. I'm getting a really bad echo. Are you getting that echo? What echo? Okay, there you go. Um, 
Fridays, we uh, we're. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Tuesday through Friday, we're doing 4:30 to 8:30. Saturday, we're doing 12 to 8:30, and Sundays we're doing 11 to 2. Sundays are pretty good because uh, we get we are doing our buy two breakfast burritos and get one free. Primo loves that. Nice. Or, or we'll if you don't want a third burrito, we'll do pancakes or waffles instead. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. And obviously, all this information for your menu, um, if people want to uh, look it up, what would be the best way? Is it website, Instagram, it, Facebook? It is, it is website. Web, website is pretty uh, crookedgaff.com. It's pretty consistent. It doesn't change ever. Um, we do update it when we need to, daily if it has to be. Uh, but Instagram, uh, CGK underscore 2.0, everything's updated daily there for sure. So that's, okay. that's the yep. best way to look at information. And for those that don't know your physical location, uh, can you tell us where you're at? We're in Uptown Whittier, uh, 13103 Penn Street, uh, in the 90602 area code. We're right right across the street from the uh, what used to be the Radisson, the Doubletree, next to, uh, right behind uh, Mission Square and Rick's. Okay. Right by, right by the police station, too, so don't mess with us. There you go. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Well, Tony, thank you for uh, coming on. Excellent. And uh, we're definitely going to have to swing by and pick up some of those dishes. Uh, and uh, can't wait to see what you guys do in the next couple coming weeks or months. Um, but hopefully all this goes back to normal somewhat and we can start dining in. Yeah, man, I can't wait to have you guys here and, um, you know, laugh about this in a year, you know, and really weird time in our uh, country's history yes yes well with that said thank you again thank you thank you guys for having me and uh, we'll see you guys soon thank you thank you bye guys see you later